Good morning, everybody. Now, this is a bit awkward because usually, while I sort myself out with my notes, I usually ask people to talk to one another, but clearly you can't do that. So maybe you could turn to one another and give each other a thumbs up or a wave. That's nice and safe. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay, so human memory is a strange and complex thing, isn't it? Our brains are fabulously created. They contain millions of cells, neurons, synapses. And all of this wiring enables us, well, enables the most intelligent of our species to perform extraordinary feats of memory, like this guy here. Oh, wait, I've got the clicker. Sorry, Mims, I forgot. This guy here, this is Akira Haraguchi. He is a Japanese man who in 2006 managed to recite 100,000 digits of pi from memory at a public event near Tokyo. It only took him 16 hours and 30 minutes. And this feat makes him the master pie man, although the Guinness Book of Records has not validated his achievement, which is very, very sad. And then, of course, there's the rest of us, the not-quite-so-intelligent. Apologies if that harsh reality offends you. But even we can amaze ourselves with our memory capacity. So we can all, I would imagine, remember specific childhood memories just triggered by maybe a scent or a sound or um, a toy, something like that. I bet we can all sing along to the lyrics of tens of dozens of songs, even if we've not heard them for years and years. However, I think you'd also agree with me that in the middle of this spectacular and marvellous memory capacity that we have, we also possess a fair number of glitches that just don't seem to make any sense at all. So for me, for instance, I can, at the drop of a hat, remember how to sing all 16 verses of Found a Peanut... A campfire song from Brownie Guides. Do you remember it, Mike? Oh, not that you were in Brownie Guides, sorry. <laughs> from when I was about nine years old. But I still, to this day, struggle to remember my husband's phone number. Cannot do it. Or my PIN number. I panic every single time. Or when I drive into a petrol station. Does anyone else have this as well? I can't remember which side of the car my fuel cap is on. Even though it happens, you know, weekly I go and fill it up. I'm currently reading a brilliant book, one that I highly recommend. Um, it is actually my lovely mother's book. She's not read it yet, but I have stolen it. And it is brilliant. This is Bill Bryson. He's written a book called The Body, A Guide for Occupants. And it is absolutely fantastic. It's all about um, basically every single thing about the human body. And the chapter I've been reading recently is all about the brain. And there's a whole section dedicated to memory. Now, Bryson writes that memories are categorized in many different ways, and your ability to recall and distinguish between different memories is simply down to how your brain chooses to store them. I won't go into detail of all he says, although I could talk about it for ages because it is so interesting. But he does say one thing. He says that without training, our short-term memory really is very, very short. It's only about 30 seconds or so for things like addresses and phone numbers. Now, you might wonder why I'm talking so much about the brain. But if we look at the passage that we're looking at this morning, it starts with this. 
Verse 14 says, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Now here we can see that Paul the Apostle, he's the one writing this letter, he knew about 2,000 years ago what modern neuroscientists are proving now. That despite the marvellous makeup of our complex brains, our memory is a fickle and forgetful thing. And he is writing to remind the people in the early church to remember the things that they have been taught the things that Christ wants them to remember, the way for living. How short our memories can be, even when it comes to wisdom and commands from God himself. Paul here is talking specifically, as we can see, about reminding believers to stop fighting over words. And he is talking about these meaningless arguments and discussions that they are having in the early church that are completely distracting from the main call that God has given them. False teachers were using these discussions to undermine the unity and the vision of Christ's first followers. And I don't believe this to be a problem confined just to the early church. Actually, I think it's a problem that we all experience and indeed our church as well. And please know that I'm not pointing a finger to any specific people or specific conversations that are happening right now. I just think it's important that when we read passages like this in the Bible, we don't just think it is something confined to those people far away, millions, not millions, thousands of years ago. But actually, that is things that continue to happen right here today. We too are prone to very short memories. When it comes to us remembering God's commands and expectations, sometimes instead we allow ourselves to get caught up in squabbles and discussions over things that are ultimately a distraction to the bigger and more important picture that God gives us. Let's read on. It says this, it says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And again, here it is again, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. And again, I think here where it says, who correctly explains the word of truth, there is another nod again to another issue that sometimes we have in our own memories and our own brains. Let me tell you a story. So my husband, Sam, is one of six children. Here's some baby photographs of when they were young. Now, there's five boys and one rather formidable girl. And um, when the boys were all young, they did look incredibly similar. They had similar skin tones, similar hair, similar mannerisms. And I remember Sam's mum telling me a story once when I was over at her house where she explained that one of the boys, when they were younger in primary school, she can't remember exactly what what age, they needed to take into school a toddler photograph that they could show to their class and they could explain what was happening in the photograph and talk about their childhood memories. 
So Garnet, that's Sam's mum, being very, very busy, as you can imagine, went to the family photo album, pulled out a picture, gave it to her son. He happily trotted into school with it the next day and proceeded to give a full presentation to his class about the birthday party that was happening in this picture. He remembered the guests. He remembered what he was wearing. He remembered his presents and his cake. He could describe it into great detail, in great detail. And it was only later on, Garnet said, as she was returning the photograph into the album, that she looked at it and realised she had given the complete wrong photograph to the wrong child. It was not his birthday. It was not him in the photograph. It was not his outfit, his friends, his party. Nothing at all. But this little boy's brain had managed to convince him that he was there in that moment. And he had constructed an entire memory based around that photograph. And that is, again, another weakness, another flaw that we have in our human brains. We are able to adapt our memories to suit us. Going back to that Bill Bryson book, there's a quote in it from a renowned psychologist, Elizabeth Loftus, and she says this about our memory. She says, our memory is little more than a Wikipedia page. You can go in there and change it, and so can other people. And Bryson has a number of studies that he talks about, studies where people were, um, were given doctored photographs and given doctored police notes about crimes that had happened that showed them that actually they had had more involvement than, than they thought they had. And these people over time began to convince themselves and began to give incriminating evidence about themselves that was completely untrue. I think we read that verse, let me go back to it. I think we read that verse and we can see that actually Paul here is managing to point out that we can do that as well about God's commands. Actually, a good worker is one who correctly explains the word of truth. And we do sometimes fall into a pattern of changing God's word, not deliberately, but sometimes we do dumb it down. We make it more attractive. We try and make it less countercultural. We try to make it more palatable for people. But I think actually it is clear here that we are to be good workers. We are to correctly explain the word of God. And to deviate from it or tone it down actually undermines the very essence of who God is. We need to remain true to it. If we look at the end of this passage as well, and this is something that I particularly find really challenging for all of us, for myself as well at the minute. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I've talked lots about the weird and wonderful complexities of our human brains and another one that we have that I'm sure we've all heard of is the fight or flight response. That innate response within us when confronted with danger or threat. Do we fight or do we take flight and run? And I think all of us have got that moment if you've ever been jumped, jumped out in your house by anyone. In our house, it's a game that Sam and I do like to play on each other. Um, I am the master. I am very, very good at making Sam jump. But you have that, you look at the position that someone freezes in when you jump out at them and you can see whether they're ready to fight you or whether they're ready to fly away. 
And here we can see that Paul says, when it comes to anything that endangers or jeopardizes our walk with God and the rules for living that he gives us, Paul has only one response. He says, run, run for your lives, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. And instead, what do we do? He asks us to turn and to pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love and peace. And I just wanted to pause on this verse because I think at the minute, if we look at the current situation that we're in, the current pandemic, I think it's very, very, very easy for us at the minute to find ourselves in situations where we are absorbed into conversations or discussions that actually are ungodly. There is a lot for us to feel down about. There is a lot for us to complain about. And I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. We all need to be able to express how we're feeling at the minute. But actually, when it becomes that moment where you know that we are stepping into a dangerous situation, where you know that actually you are starting to stir desires in your heart that are ungodly, that is the time that we run. We are not meant to stay there. We're not meant to change the situation. We're not meant to see how long we can last in that situation or steer the conversation. Actually, Paul tells us we are to run because our human nature means that we are weak and we are able to get sucked into things that God does not want us to be part of. And instead, we fix our eyes on righteous living. In the context that Paul is writing here to Timothy and the members of this early church, he's reminding and commanding them to stop placing themselves in situations that inspire moments of idle gossip, divisive discussions, and worthless foolish talk, as Paul calls it, but instead to run away from these things and pursue the truth of the gospel and the call to spread the good news. And maybe you right now are able to think about situations that you know you are currently in or have been in, in recent weeks, where you know you have been brought into foolish discussions, divisive arguments, and you know perhaps you need to turn and run. I think my challenge for us this morning is for us to remember those two different things that Paul says, to remind everyone to remind ourselves and those around us of the commands that God has already given us. Just because we are living in strange and unprecedented times does not mean that the word of God changes or the personhood of God either. He is the same yesterday, today and forever and we must remind ourselves of that. And secondly, for us to run, run away from those moments, those situations, those conversations that we know are ungodly. So right now, do we need a moment today to remind ourselves of the way for living that God has given us as a church? Do we need to choose this morning to run from anything we know is stimulating contrary desires and temptations in us? And let's all of us commit today to that headlong pursuit of righteous living. So let us pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that um, in the word of God, you give us so much encouragement, you give us so much joy. I thank you that you also give us these passages that challenge us and ask us to step back onto the path that you have given us for our life. I pray this morning that we would really dig deep into ourselves 
And we would see whether we need to remind ourselves this morning of the commands that you have given us. We pray for our, for our brains and our memories. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to stop changing um, your word in our head. That we would stop taking out the bits that are uncomfortable to us or challenging. But instead, we would embrace those, knowing that it is only once we challenge ourselves and we change who, are, who we are within us, that we can become more and more like you. We pray for ourselves as well. If we know that we are, have been in situations or conversations re- recently that we know have been ungodly or are ungodly, we pray this morning that you would give us the courage to run from them that we would know that actually we um, are called by you to run from them, to turn 180 and to pursue righteous living instead. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.